Welcome to the Radical Mother Village. I'm your host, Krista Bevan, a nervous system educator and expert companion to radical mothers. In this space, we are embodying our role as the wise woman matriarch of our family. We are dedicated to breaking the cycles of trauma running through our families like wildfire. We are relentlessly devoted to crafting a childhood for our children we never got for ourselves, while creating a legacy we are proud to leave them. If that's you, you're in the right place, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Now, let's dive into today's show. Hey mamas, welcome back to another episode of the Radical Mother Village podcast. I'm your host, Krista Bevan. Hello friends, I have missed you. It has been a minute. I accidentally took a break from podcasting. I did not mean to do that, and for the first time in 101 episodes, life happened, and I sort of let it, and I let there be a pause, and rather than worry about getting episodes out, I really let myself sit in a place of stillness for a little bit when it comes to the podcast, at least. I've been very busy doing lots of other things, um, which actually kind of ties into what I'm talking about today, and... And this idea of sort of taking a pause sometimes before shifting gears and why that is so important. And if you missed it, the last episode I put out, which was episode 100, which is still just absolutely unbelievable, was Baby Girl's birth story. She is now almost eight months old, which is absolutely freaking wild to think about, let alone say out loud. Anyway, her birth story episode explains a lot sort of about where my mind has been in the last almost 18 months or so since I became pregnant with her um and also kind of is like the the prelude to this episode and sort of the part one of what I'm going to be talking about here and also it really goes into the lessons that I learned from her pregnancy and her birth and the immediate postpartum period and and all of that jazz, basically her entering into my life. Um, And I bring that up here and I say this is this is almost in a way sort of like part two, not so much of the birth story, but of sort of the podcast, the podcast part two, right? And, And really the radical mother archetype part two. So let me explain what I mean. So when I first got the download. I was in the shower, which is where the best ideas always come, right? It's either long walks, long drives, or in the shower. It's one of those three places. But anyway, I was in the shower. This was a few years ago now, and I got the idea. I got this, I heard this name, Radical Mother. It came to me, right? And it it was like this download of like what this person was, what this woman was, what this mother was, who is standing like a firebreak to the generational trauma running through her family. And I felt so clear and resonant deep in my bones with what that was and how I was that mother and how I am that mother and how so many people I have come to know and love in my life in doing this work are also that mother. And honestly, I had kind of thought that the archetype was pretty fleshed out, right? Like I I felt pretty comfortable knowing who she was and what she was about and and kind of her story um again is this archetypal figure that that we all sort of embody. Anyone listening to this, you in some way must resonate with the idea of being a cycle breaker for your family. And it was really with baby girl coming into my life, 
I realized that I actually had a second part to that description, to that person, to that radical mother character. And it's really been in the last 18 months that I've started to shift my thinking a little bit about her and about who she is and about what she's about. And that's what today's about. This is about sharing and sort of updating you all with where my mind is at, as well as where this podcast is going, right? And you're kind of all on this journey with me as this unfolds in my own life. And so I want to bring you up to speed. And so that's what I'm hoping to do today. Now, I will say also that a big piece of the last 18 months and a big piece of of baby girl's impact on my life is that I've really been thinking about the word matriarch. And the other word that keeps coming up for me, so there's been two words, it's been matriarch and creatrix. And those two just keep popping up everywhere for me. And every time I say them, there's a potency and a, a almost electric vibration that I get from those two words. And that's really where this is going. And so I want to I want to share the definition of those two words because I I can thank my 10th grade English teacher Miss Vale, may she rest in peace. She absolutely changed my life and I will never ever forgive her for this. But she used to make us look up the words, the the definition of words in the assignments that she gave us for essay prompts in the almighty OED, the Oxford English Dictionary. And for anyone else who had a wacky 10th grade English teacher like I did, my beloved Miss Vale, you will understand the power of looking up words in the OED. Anyway, it has left me with a lifelong love of playing around with words and sort of seeing what they mean and the words that we're using. What are they actually defined as? Where do they come from? What's their etymology? So in case you were wondering that fact about me, that is one of the many nerdy facts that are true about Krista. But anyway, let's get on to defining these words. So creatrix, it's a Latin word. It means fem- it's the feminine form of creator. Okay, so let's dig a d- level deeper. What does creator mean? It's one that creates usually by bringing something new or original into being. So obviously this speaks to every mother everywhere, right? We're obviously bringing new beings, actual human beings into form, into creation. We are the conduit for them. We are the bridge between heaven and earth, as I read in one Mother's Day post yesterday that I thought was absolutely beautiful, right? In that way, we all embody the sense of being a creatrix. But really, when I apply this word to the radical mother world, it actually goes deeper and broader than just the act of, of creating and birthing children. Because we are not just creating and birthing children, we are also creating and birthing change in our entire family lineage. We are affecting the trajectory of our entire family line from us forward. And I would even argue in a lot of ways from us backwards. I think that as radical mothers, there's a lot of ancestral healing that we are doing in our work as well, though that's a a topic for another day. I have actually covered that on the show way back in the beginning. If you scroll back, I think it was one of the first 
probably 10 or so episodes I did. Um, I did one with uh, guest Jen Wendy, who is an amazing ancestral trauma clearing practitioner. Um, That's a really great episode. If you have not heard that, if you're newer to the show than that episode, I would scroll back and, and listen to that. It's very good. But anyway, the point is, is that we as radical mothers are also embodying the idea of the creatrix of this new paradigm. And in that way, we are also stepping into our role and our power as the matriarch of our family. So matriarch is a woman who is the head of a family or tribe. A lot of times it's a word that's used with reverence. It's often a word that's used for an elder woman of her family or tribe, though it doesn't need to be and it doesn't have to be. And so even if you aren't the elder of your family yet, maybe you're the elder of the family that you are creating with intention and with purpose, separate from the family of origin that you came from. Maybe you are stepping into the role of matriarch of this new paradigm for yourself and your children as well. And in that way, this feels like the next evolution of what it means to be a radical mother. Because here's the thing, is that it's not just about knowing what you don't want for yourself, for your kids, for your family. It's also just as powerful and if not just as important to know what you do want, right? So we can only spend so much time looking backwards before it's time to start looking forwards. And I will say, I'm going to go off on a tangent here for a moment, but I have been noticing this trend in the trauma healing space, in the trauma healing world, where a lot of times people can become so attached, I'll say, to an identity as having a history of trauma that they can sometimes get sort of stuck in that identity. It can kind of become how they see themselves and the the lens through which they see themselves and the only lens through which they see themselves. And in a way, they can almost become stuck in a second kind of victimhood, right? So it's like first, it's the trauma that they endured and now it's attaching to the identity as being someone who's healing from trauma but is never quite there. It's like they have to keep collecting tools and resources and trying things and then they'll be healed. It's a very like um, carrot on a stick sort of energy. It's like never stopping to really reap the reward of the work that they've done. They become so mired in the act of of healing that they don't realize or embrace the fact that in a lot of ways they have healed. Now, I think healing is actually not an end point. I do think it's a continuum, but I think it's a and a, and a constant unfolding. But you don't carry everything the whole way. You let go of things as you travel on the journey of healing, right? So you might start off with a backpack of burdens that's huge, but eventually as you walk on this path of healing, you start to set some of those stones down. Maybe you still have pebbles in the backpack. Sure, fine, but you don't have to carry the whole burden the whole time. And I see sometimes that people get stuck in that. They get stuck in almost a compulsion to be healing instead of saying, 
I've healed this and now what's next? Can I heal something else? Can I switch gears, right? And that's what we're talking about today is is this idea of switching gears. Another uh, metaphor to use here is like, I see cycle breakers as really writing the story that we want for ourselves. And there's only a, there's only so much hitting backspace on the story that you've been given, the story of your childhood, the story of your upbringing that needs to be done as a cycle breaker. Again, to address that trauma that we're carrying, I'm not doubting that the trauma's there. I get it, right? I'm not, I'm not invalidating anything that anyone has experienced. It's both our own and the ancestral traumas that were handed down to us. But bit by bit, there comes a time when we need to stop hitting backspace and we need to start typing. We need to start writing the story that we do want, right? We need to type out that new story. We need to change the plot. We need to write the new narrative. And we need to start being the protagonist in the story. This is where it comes in to embody the matriarch. What do we want for ourselves? What do we want for our children? How does that look? And again, the birth of my daughter, she really brought this home for me. I felt this marked shift in my body, in my heart, all throughout her pregnancy and then her birth and the immediate postpartum time. Like I've said, everything I had been doing and thinking and feeling about my role as mother, it really started shifting. And since my business is so intricately tied to my life, it started shifting the work that I've been doing as well. I have been less focused on the active trauma healing piece, and I've really started focusing more on the story creation piece, the looking forward, the visioning, the calling in and aligning to the things that we want, getting really clear really, really clear about what we don't want, and then just as clear about what we do want. What do I want to leave as my legacy for my children? What's the legacy that I want to be remembered by? What legacy do I want continued on when I am long gone? How do I want my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, etc., to think about me, to know about me, to have influence of by me? What are those things and how can I put them into place now? How can I take the work that I've done, the healing that I've done so far and say, yes, now it's time to start putting that into practice. How can I move from this place of survival energy into creation energy? How can I switch gears and start to change these things so that my children can really start to benefit from all of the hard work and all of the effort that I have put into rewriting these stories. And so for me, what happened in this last 18 months or so is that there was a definite period of what I'm calling an energetic winter season, right? So a season of letting things die back and become very quiet and very still and on the surface sort of inactive but deep underground, a sort of settling, a sort of refreshing, a sort of resetting that happens just like in the actual season of winter. And so that's kind of where I've been at this past year or so, as I've been in this place of knowing what has not been useful in my life any longer and sort of being able to evaluate that, but then sort of sitting in a place of not being totally clear on what was going to replace it. And 
as uncomfortable as that space of stillness and reflection and pause before a pivot makes me, I let myself sit in that discomfort. I used the tools I know and teach to embody that experience, to let myself be fully contained in it, trying my best to stay in the space of the observer as all of this was happening and mostly achieving that goal, maybe not on a daily basis of staying in that place of the observer, but I would say on an overall basis at least. And it's been in that space where those words, again, creatrix and matriarch and legacy even, have really started to bubble up to the surface for me. And this whole time, this whole energetic shift that I experienced, it kind of felt like when you shift gears in a car. So again, as cycle breakers, we do a lot of driving in reverse, right? We've been brought down a wrong road and we need to get this corrected before we go forward. So we got to back it up quite a bit. There's a lot of rewinding of things that we don't like from our own childhood that need to be dealt with. And that is very necessary work. And I just, I want to say this too about what I I said earlier about being attached to the identity of always healing. There's nothing wrong with being in a season of needing to actively do healing work. And I I don't want to diminish that. I have absolutely been there in my life. What I'm calling out is people who stay there. The people who don't move forward to put what they've learned into practice. That's what I have issue with. That's what I'm at odds with. Because that's ultimately just another form of keeping yourself stuck. It's not actually changing anything. Doing the work is both learning the work and then putting the work into practice. It's both and. It's not just one without the other. And we really need both of those things in order to truly rewrite these stories. So anyway, back to this car metaphor. Now I'm mixing up my metaphors, but stay with me here. At a certain point, when you've backed up far enough, you need to start moving forward. You need to start driving towards the thing that you want. But what do you do first when you're shifting in a car from reverse to drive. You don't just slam it from reverse forward into drive. If you did that, you'd kill your transmission. If you did that regularly, we don't want that. Yet that's what a lot of us do with our nervous system. And then we wonder why we're burned out. We just slam from gear to gear without taking time. Instead, just like with a car, what you need to do is you need to move slowly out of reverse, put it in neutral, then put it into drive, and then also set your sights on where you're going, right? You don't just drive forward with your eyes closed. You need to have your eyes open. You need to put the GPS in the map. You need to know where you're going. You need to have a destination in mind before you put your foot on the gas. And that's really where I'm at, is is looking at those things and saying, all right, what are the coordinates I want to put in? How can I drive there. I want to take it out of reverse. I've moved through neutral. Now it's time to drive there. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it was having a daughter separate from having my son. You know, like being a mother of a daughter definitely has a different energetic quality to it. Or maybe this would have just happened with the second baby, even if it had been my son. I don't know. But again, I've really been thinking a lot about this idea of a radical mother having these sort of two parts of the equation. First is the what we don't want part. And I feel like I've done a really good job of knowing that for myself and for my kids. I feel like I've done a good job at defining that in my work, on this show even with various guests over the last 100 episodes. We've discussed things like nervous system regulation, reparenting, inner child work, parts work, 
somatic approaches to trauma healing, creating better boundaries, self-care practices, and a whole lot more, right? Over the last two years, we've covered a lot. These have all been in support of reducing the impact of our own childhood and traumatic pasts on our current lives. And these are really good, really necessary parts of what it means to be a radical mother. But again, what I started realizing in this last season of my life, and and it sounds so obvious now, but I think I'd been in it too much to see the forest for the trees, is that it's not enough to know what we don't want. We also need to know what we do want. And as much as I might have known that before intellectually, I don't think I had an actual embodied sense of that until recently. I didn't know it somatically. I didn't know it subconsciously. I was still operating without that piece being a component of what I was doing. It wasn't in my sights so much as the parts that I didn't want to be passing on to my kids. And so I bring all of this up and I'm repeating myself so much here because I know that if this is resonating for me in my life, odds are it's resonating for some of you listening as well. And one thing that I have found too that can get really squashed when you have childhood history of trauma is your ability to dream into the possible, to see the future for yourself that you want, to know where you're going to be driving, to let yourself daydream about anything different. It can really be truly soul-sucking at times. I know that feeling all too well. But as I've traveled on this road of healing further and further in my life, the more I see that it's easier to step out of the probable and into the possible. The more safety and space that I've created in my nervous system for myself, the more that I'm not in fight-or-flight survival mode constantly, the more I can really be living in a place of creation mode, of not just surviving, but really a place of thriving. That's the sweet, juicy place in our lives where we can start to make the magic happen, where we can truly own the title of the matriarch of our family, where we can step into our divine creative powers as the creatrix of our life and of our family. And that's what's exciting for me in my life right now. This is what's on the edge of my comfort level, where I'm slowly expanding my window of tolerance into the depths more and more and more to the place of surrender, to the place of faith, to the place of trust, where I'm starting to let my inner child come out more and more every day to play, where I can let my inner elder lead with her lived wisdom and I can tap in to that part of me more and more and more. This is the place where I can also step into envisioning the greatest possible life of my dreams and start to create it for myself. This is the playground of living prayer. This is where I'm headed and I bring this all up because if this journey sounds exciting and promising to you too, then I invite you to join me. It's just going to keep getting better and better. And that's exactly where this show is headed here on out. Moving forward, this is going to be more and more the focus of what we cover on the show. We're still going to be talking about the same things, but with this added edge of the second part, this other chapter of what it means to be a radical mother. Moving forward, how can we step into creating a legacy for our children that we are proud to leave them? 
All right, mamas, that wraps up another episode of the Radical Mother Village podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, will you do me a giant favor and share it with another mama who might love it too? You can also share on social media and tag me. I'm on Instagram at the Radical Mother Village. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week.